0: But also i mean i know the crime rate in cape side is not very high but dawson's house is made of glass basically <laughs> every door on dawson's house is a ceiling to floor <laughs> glass. glass door
1: i know they close him out with that door that's 25 panes <laughs> of glass <laughs> i was like who's who's being stopped by this oh dawson look there's your mom back to you bob Hello, and welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 111, Friday the 13th. Mm,
0: It's so good.
1: So good. So scary. You did think it was scary? Not this time, but in high school I did. We'll get into it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are we drinking today?
1: Well, because it's a scary episode, we're drinking a Bloody Mary, so you will need tomato juice, horseradish, Worcestershire sauce, hot sauce, lemon juice, salt, pepper, and vodka. Also, celery for me. How do you feel about Bloody Mary garnishes?
0: I enjoy the celery, but I like how things have advanced. And now sometimes when you go to restaurants, you get a chicken wing, you get bacon, you get all those. Have you had that?
1: A couple of months ago, my boyfriend and I went to a place and his Bloody Mary came over and we were like, oh, and she goes, we call it the breakfast salad. It was cheese, olives, celery, dill, a Slim Jim A banana pepper. Oh my god. It's a whole meal.
0: Yeah. I guess it depends on my mood. I I do like the garnish.
1: I'm a purist. I prefer just celery.
0: How's your (laughs) Bloody Mary? Delicious. I love Bloody Marys, even though I usually drink them in the morning and it's 5 p.m. It is
1: a little late, but it's an all-day kind of drink. Savory, delicious.
0: By drinking Bloody Marys in the morning, I mean like at brunch. I don't mean like wake up and throwing back vodka. Although it has happened. (laughs) All right, I'm going to get into the recap. So in this episode, we open in Dawson's bedroom. As always, Joey and Dawson are watching I Know What You Did Last Summer because tomorrow is Friday the 13th. They're debating horror movies. Joey thinks they're gratuitously violent. She says the world is sick and demented enough. He says they're a good thing because they show people overcoming their fears and conquering evil. It's a classic Joey Dawson cold open debate. Joey changed the channel and it ends up on a local news report talking about how there's a serial killer going up and down the East Coast named the Lady Killer. He's attacking young women. This proves Joey's point that the world is scary, violent, sick, and demented. At school, Pacey and Dawson are walking, and Pacey is waiting for a scare because Dawson has a history and a reputation of playing scary pranks all day on Friday the 13th. But Dawson tells Pacey he's sick of trying to make his life imitate movies. He learned his lesson from trying to create a romance movie with Jen. However, he does scare Pacey, and he also scares Joey, and he does this constantly throughout the episode. He invites everyone over later that night for a seance. Cliff invites Jen out on a date and they end up talking about Dawson in that moment because she said she's on a break from men and he says you're on a break because Dawson was no fun. But she defends Dawson. She says he's actually really thoughtful and clever. He has an amazing sense of humor and he always makes things interesting. Finally, she agrees to go on a date with Cliff who later turns to Dawson for advice on what to do on a date with Jen. So while she's home alone, someone is calling and stalking her a la Drew Barrymore and Scream. It's really freaking her out because a note was left in her locker saying that she was going to die that night, and of course there's a serial killer on the loose. She shakes it off and she's sure that it's Dawson, pranking her like he does everyone else. Pacey, Joey, and Dawson go shopping for snacks, and they meet a woman named Ursula at the store who's in the middle of breaking up with her boyfriend. Pacey invites her to join them for the seance at Dawson's house. While they're inside getting the snacks, a stranger's outside talking to Joey and he's saying he's lost and he needs directions. Dawson interrupts and he thinks it's weird and he says, didn't your mom ever teach you not to talk to strangers? So Pacey and Ursula run out of the grocery store, they're being chased by her boyfriend, and they all end up back at Dawson's house for the seance. Jen, meanwhile, is a little weirded out when Cliff reveals that their date is at Dawson's seance. So with everyone together now, they're gathered around, the telling horror stories, Dawson's scaring everyone all night except for Jen. Ursula's being crazy and hilarious and outrageous all night, and the power goes out, and it's a little weird because it's hours ahead of when Dawson scheduled it to as part of his pranks. So while he and Ursula are investigating the power outage, she says that she sees a spark between him and a girl in there. And she's actually talking about Joey, but Dawson's talking about Jen. And Ursula says, well, that's the problem. You're dating the wrong girl. You should be dating the brunette. Dawson is freaked out because these things are happening that he didn't plan. And he gets really scared. And it turns out that everyone got sick of being pranked all day. So they turn the tables on Dawson to scare the living crap out of him. And they all have a good laugh. But Dawson swears to Jen that he's not the one that's been calling her and doing all these weird stalking things to her. And this bothers her. And she wants to know why she actually isn't included in the pranks. Why can't she be one of the gang? And he says, you know, you dumped me. I just figured you didn't want anything to do with me. She says, they'll figure out whatever's going on with them. But please, in the meantime, don't leave me out of things. So then Eddie, Ursula's boyfriend, comes to the house and he's trying to get in. He's breaking windows. He's banging on doors. He's scaring them left and right, chasing them all around the house. And he's trying to get in to talk to Ursula. He gets in. He attacks Pacey and Joey beats the living hell out of Eddie with the frying pan. Ursula comes to Eddie's defense in the moment and the two lovers take off together. They're crazy. Later, Cliff reveals to Jen that it's been him that's been stalking her all day. And he wanted to be fun and clever and interesting like Dawson. Jen says she really doesn't think it's working out between them, and she advises Cliff to just be himself and not try to copy Dawson or anyone else. When Joey and Dawson are alone, Dawson says that it really freaked him out seeing Joey with her throat slit earlier during that prank. Dawson said it would make him really sad if Joey died. And Joey says, well, she would be really sad if Dawson died. And it's weird, but it might just be the closest thing we're going to get to them admitting they have a crush on each other. As the two of them settle into bed for the sleepover, they see that the lady killer has been arrested and it turns out that it's the man that Joey was talking to earlier that night. Creepy. So creepy. I love this one. It's a classic. I think it's up there on like some of the best episode lists of the series.
1: Yeah, there are three episodes that stand out to me this season and then the rest are kind of like scenes and moments. And this is one of the episodes along with Breakfast Club and the pageant.
0: I would say this one, maybe Hurricane and Pageant
1: for me. Yeah, I love Hurricane 2. I feel like we talked about this when we recorded that episode. I didn't remember how much I liked the episode as a whole until we watched it again.
0: Yeah, I would agree with you on Breakfast Club 2. It's hard. Definitely these four.
1: Well, common denominator, this episode was written by Mike White, who wrote The Breakfast Club. We talked about him extensively in that episode. If you'd like to go back and listen, he's amazing. He has been a TV personality, a writer, a director, an actor. He's just all around a really cool guy. He has two animated features currently in production. I feel like those are something that might not be marketed to us. The fourth Despicable Me movie, which I haven't seen any of them, but I hear that they're fun. And the fact that he's writing one, I think, means they probably are really fun. And another animated movie called Migration which is coming out this year. It is Aquafina, Elizabeth Banks, Danny DeVito, Keegan-Michael Key. It just seems like it's going to be one of those movies that both kids and adults will enjoy. So
0: I was just going to ask that if the animations are going to be kid movies or like four-quadrant co-viewing. Four-quadrant co-viewing is a TV term. I think what I meant to say was family PG animated movies. I just clocked into my work personality. That was weird. I'm
1: going to write up some TPS reports and... (laughs) Lay out some action items.
0: Family movies. Are these family animated movies or are these adult animation?
1: Yeah, it's rated PG. Oh, good. Fun for the whole family.
0: Oh, they haven't revealed any casting for White Lotus 3, have they? In my head they did, but maybe they did not.
1: Only Belinda, was that her name?
0: Yes, that is what I'm thinking of. Because everyone's trying, everyone's publicly auditioning for White Lotus Season 3. Like when they get asked, I'd love to do a limited series. I don't know, like White Lotus Season 3. Anyway, director.
1: This episode was directed by Rodman Flender. He has a handful of horror movies on his resume, which makes complete sense given the episode. The Unborn, Leprechaun 2, Idle Hands. He directed two episodes of Tales from the Crypt and two episodes of Scream, the TV series. He also did episodes of Party of Five, Gilmore Girls, The O.C., Ugly Betty, and The Office. And he did the Conan O'Brien documentary, Can't Stop, which was about the comedy tour that Conan O'Brien went on when he was legally not allowed to be on television, which is something that I went and saw when I lived in Los Angeles. It was really good. And the documentary is super interesting. So Rodman is kind of the perfect guy for this episode. He has the horror experience. He has the Party of Five Gilmore Girls OC Ugly Betty experience
0: yeah, perfect. That's exactly what I was going to say too. So I think our brains are melting together. But when you're reading the <laughs> resume, I thought, oh, my God, perfect. Party of Five and Idle Hands, Leprechaun, horror. Wow.
1: Yeah. And you can tell. I mean, the, the jump scares are there. There's definitely a tension throughout the episode that is done really well.
0: Yeah, this was a really good one. I loved it. The horror, it was shot like a horror, You know, the angles, the quick zooms. Mm-hmm. Guest cast shout out?
1: Yeah, let's do a guest cash shout out. Let's talk about Mr. Gold, Mitchell Lawrence. This is actually his last episode of the series. So we thought it was an appropriate time to give him his due. He has a long and interesting career. He has 26 uncredited episodes of SNL from 77 to 81. So to me, that basically means that he was one of those people that pop in. Sometimes they have people in the audience asking questions or people that are not main cast that kind of pop in through the seasons. But 77 to 81 was Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, John Belushi, golden era of SNL. Just so cool to think about him just kind of like hanging around at SNL during that time. That's
0: crazy. I only know him from this in 90210.
1: So are you ready for me to blow your mind? Yes. He is not in 90210. Stop it. He has a twin brother named Matthew Lawrence (laughs) who is in 90210.
0: Oh my God.
1: How ridiculous is that?
0: Okay. So this this was a fan request guest cash shout out because- Sarah from Burbank, California, had written in and said, why was it the guest cast shout out? Mr. Gold, who played David Silver's dad on Beverly Hills, now 2 and 0. And I said, oh, we got to do it in the future. And now we just just blew the thing wide open. You blew the whole thing wide open.
1: Hate to break it to you, Sarah, but it is two different people. They are identical twins. They both have long running acting careers.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Do you remember a soap called Santa Barbara? Of course. He was in 13 episodes of that, which is like nothing, a drop in the bucket for a soap. But he was in 13 episodes, Mitchell, our Mr. Gold, and his brother was in four episodes. And the character name is Ben Arnold. So Mitchell played Ben Arnold and Matthew Lawrence played Ben Arnold number two. And what I want to know is, was there a time where there were two of them on the show, or did he just swap in because Mitchell got sick or something? I really don't know, but it's...
0: Yeah, n- number two would imply a recast to me, so maybe he continued it or had to keep it going. Anyway, these are our Lawrence brothers. Yeah,
1: yeah, the OG Lawrence brothers.
0: <laughs> Who needs Joey, Matthew, and...
1: <laughs> What's the... Andrew.
0: Who needs Joey, Matthew, and Andrew? I really hope that this fact is going to blow Hollywood's brain like it just blew mine I really feel like no one knows this
1: I know deadline publish an article about this <laughs> the people need to know
0: breaking news <laughs> recurring guest actor from the 90s had a twin who was also a recurring <laughs> actor in the 90s no it actually is if Sarah from Burbank California who's the biggest 902 fan on the planet didn't know that they weren't the same person then I feel like no one did
1: that's right well, quickly, just to give him his due, Mitchell Lawrence had those 26 uncredited episodes of SNL. This is interesting for you. He had 11 episodes of Days of Our Lives.
0: Yeah. He's just one of those guys that I saw on a lot of the soaps. He had, well, now I don't know really who I'm seeing, but they were <laughs> all kind of doing the soaps. They were both doing, I guess, the soap circles or one of them. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the soap twin thing is not lost on me I don't know who I was seeing I was <laughs> seeing Matthew or an imposter I don't know anyway, whichever one or both they were doing all the shows that I was- <laughs> I was seeing them um, on all the same shows I guess <laughs> I was seeing them on all of my shows maybe I had too many Bloody Marys <laughs>
1: He had 54 episodes of a news satire series called Not Necessarily the News, 10 episodes of Matlock, which also Matthew had some episodes of Matlock, but they did not play the same character. So I'm oh curious my gosh. how that played out. And Santa Barbara was the other the other big one. And then he had a million credits of one episode here, one episode there. So yeah, the Lawrence brothers, scope them out.
0: This could be an Eat Hollywood story at least. <laughs>
1: You brought up doing Mitchell as our guest cast shout out for the episode. And I was like, yeah, cool. Totally. And then I'm on his page and I'm like, I don't see 90210, but it doesn't reference that he has a twin brother who is also an actor anywhere on his IMDb. So then I'm Googling like, who played David's dad? It was a whole thing.
0: Wow. (laughs) We're basically like (laughs) podcast crime solvers.
1: We are sleuths.
0: My mind is so blown. What do you think of music in this episode? The music moments were very interesting because there were no real moments where the music landed and you, it just wasn't that kind of an episode. It was a scary horror episode. So there was only a lot, there was a lot of transition and background music, but nothing where the music was a part of the scene.
1: The only one that I clocked was when Dawson and Jen almost kiss in Dawson's room It's a song called Do You Dream by Mary Thornton. And you're right, there aren't a ton of those moments. The thing that I wanted to do is give a shout out to our composer Adam Fields. Because this episode, like you said, it's heavily scored. And the score is so different than our usual score. It's all like strings and jump scares and very traditional horror movie score. One building tension and then two the jump scare moments. And mm-hmm. I think he knocked it out of the park.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It really just felt like classic horror. You know, there yeah. were, there was a good blend of the usual drama of the teen soapy element and this late 90s, also maybe 70s horror movie.
1: Definitely. I thought it was great. Good job, Adam Fields.
0: Do you, is your ear trained for the instrumentals based on your job?
1: Yeah, I think I just take notice to it more because that – so we have – once we lock an episode, which is when all of the editing is done, like we say, okay, this this is the edit exactly as we want it to air, then we start a process of visual effects and color timing and music and all this stuff. And we have what's called a spot session, and we sit with the composer and the showrunner and the editor and myself, and we go through the entire episode and say where we want the score to be and what we want the tone of the score to be. So I'm very much so immersed in that in the shows that I work on. So I think it helps me pick up on it down the line.
0: So if you have an hour long show, how long is that process? Do you do it in a day? Or is it over several weeks or putting the music in?
1: One day, we'll sit down and have that spot session that I just talked about. And then usually it's a few weeks where the composer sending cues to the editor, the editor is showing us and everyone's giving notes on it. And it goes back and forth like that. And then the final stage of the process is going to the mix stage. And that's when our mixers blend dialogue, music, sound effects, voila, the background actor voices that we talked about in episode nine. They mix that all together, which basically just means balancing out the volume of everything because sometimes you want the voices to take the lead. Sometimes you want the music to take the lead.
0: And for an hour long that you work in mainly, uh, how long is the sound mix? Is that a day?
1: Usually it is two to three days of the mixers working alone. They get all the material in and they kind of do their preliminary balance. And then myself and the showrunner and any other creative producers will come in, sit on the stage and give our notes. We'll listen to the thing, give our creative notes and they'll address them and we'll do work that way. And then the next day, the studio and network come in and we do the process again. We listen to it. They give their notes. So it's usually a five-ish day process, a week,
0: Mm. And what are notes you'd hear? Like, I want want to start a second sooner. I want louder.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's music notes. A lot of times it's that ADR line is sticking out or this was too noticeable. This dog barking in the background. Can we lose that because it's distracting from what's going on in the scene? There are a million different notes. And ultimately, the showrunner, generally speaking, is allowed to have final say. He or she will take into consideration everything that the studio and the network say. But at the end of the day, they're the one making the final creative decision. That part of the process is my absolute favorite. Because at that point, usually we have all visual effects in. All the color timing is done. The main title is in. Everything is, has come together. And we're seeing it as a final thing.
0: The whole post process is so technical. You have to, I think you have to have that mind for it, and out of it.
1: A lot of moving pieces.
0: Well, that was cool. That was a cool lesson.
1: tune in next week for your next lesson from christina the post-production producer
0: tell us about avid (laughs) avid is the software software. used to edit that's a little inside baseball is it a past versus present time
1: it is what do you got
0: a past versus present thing i think i thought ursula was really annoying At first, when I was 15, 16, and now I think she's really kooky and funny.
1: She brings a little life to the episode.
0: Definitely a good tension reliever and very kooky, very funny.
1: The only thing that I had, which I alluded to at the beginning of the episode, is I used to hate this episode. I used to think it was so scary when he comes to the car window and Joey's in the car alone, the guy who ends up being the killer. It just freaked me out so much. I was such a wimp when I was middle school age. I feel like high school is really when I started watching scary movies and getting into that kind of stuff. I would also skip this episode during my rewatches because I was like, oh, I just had a bad taste in my mouth about it. Wow. Yeah, I know. You
0: really thought it was scary.
1: This time around, I'm like, oh, it's just really the the thing that they're pushing on you is the music. It's like a lot of that jump scary like This is scary. You know, they're trying to tell you it's scary more than it actually is scary.
0: Which they did a really good job of. I'm thinking uh, the one that sticks out to me is when Jen's uh, grandfather's hand falls.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: And it's a big jump scare there.
1: Also, something that I didn't really notice the first time around is all of the scary movie references that they make. There's the direct scream reference of Jen on the phone with Cliff.
0: She asks what her name is. She says Drew Barrymore. And she says her favorite scary movie is The Ten Commandments, Don't Ask. So that conversation is a supreme homage.
1: Yes. And then when Pacey pulls up to pick up Joey and Dawson at Dawson's house, Dawson says, here's Pacey.
0: I was hoping you wouldn't pick up on that. So that could be mine. That could come across this cover.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Did you notice what Joey said to the killer when he asked for directions to Providence?
0: You're a long way off.
1: She said, take Elm Street.
0: Yes, I did notice that. It's just reminding me of when they took the uh, ferry to (laughs) Providence two episodes ago. And someone wrote in, Lisa wrote in and said, the fact that they would take a ferry to Providence makes no (laughs) sense. And now Joey's just like, yeah, take Elm Street. (laughs) They took a ferry to get there two episodes ago. But yes, Elm Street. What else? There was more. Well, they were learning about John Carpenter in film class.
1: They weren't. They were learning about Hitchcock. In film class. Or were they learning about John Carp- Carpenter and they referenced Hitchcock?
0: No, it's it's John Carpenter's style of blank, blank resembles who? And then the person answers Hitchcock.
1: We got there. We figured I it think, out.
0: I'm still not sure that's right. I watched the episode three times today. Like, how do I not?
1: Well, later, Jen is at her locker and there is an homage to Vertigo. You know the the Vertigo shot?
0: Yes. I didn't notice it, though. I have to go back now.
1: Yeah. It was made famous in the movie Vertigo by Hitchcock, but there's a type of shot called the dolly zoom, and it's basically where the camera either pushes in or pulls out, depending on the effect that you want to achieve. And while that's happening, while the camera is physically moving, it's also zooming in or out so that the thing in the foreground stays the same size, but the background changes, like it distorts. It's an in-camera effect, basically. And they do that when Jen finds the scary note in her locker. She's having a moment of like... Vertigo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you're getting that lightheaded zoom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A the... weird
1: a weird feeling in your body. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's so interesting. I'll have to go back and look at that shot. But I know the one you're thinking of. I don't know if I, I have to look at the effect now. I have to really pay attention to the effect.
1: A few other things that you will probably know better than I will. I read that in the latest Scream movie, which I have not seen yet. Someone is in the hospital and that person is watching this episode.
0: That is true. I saw it on TikTok, so it has to be true. Um, (laughs) When Jenna Ortega's character is in her hospital bed, so I think it's Scream 5, so it's not the most recent Scream, two Screams ago. She's watching Dawson's Creek and it's a Cliff Elliott episode. So the TikTok was, you know, Cliff Scott Foley was the killer in Scream 3. If you haven't seen it by now, sorry. But they're basically poking fun at the fact that, you know, Cliff Elliott played by Scott Foley- also played Roman from Scream 3 and now they're in the same universe. Like Cliff Elliott and Roman from Scream 3 both exist in the same universe because Jenna Ortega is watching Dawson's Creek. I didn't know it was this episode though, but obviously that makes sense because they're both horror.
1: And like you said, Scott Foley was in Scream 3 and Joshua Jackson was in Scream 2.
0: Yes. The movie in the cold open that uh, Dawson and Joey are watching, as we said, was I uh, Know What You Did Last Summer which was written by Kevin Williamson, but it's also starring Sarah Michelle Gellar, who was on Buffy, obviously, that was on the WB that Dawson's was on. So there's all of those fun connections.
1: The other thing that I read, that I don't know if this is worthwhile or not, but someone was saying that in Sick, which this is-, is Ke- what,
0: This is true. I know what you, this is true.
1: In Kevin Williamson's Peacock movie, Sick, they reference a baby with a snake down a stroke. Is it the same story?
0: It's the same story. Pull the snake out of the baby. The baby's insides come with it. On Dawson's, they're telling horror stories to try to freak each other out. And Dawson tells a really scary one. And then Cliff tells this one that's really not that scary. It's more disgusting. And all the girls Mm -hmm. are like, oh. But yes, and so sick. As you said, Kevin Williamson movie. Did the same story.
1: I wonder where this story came from and why he keeps putting it in his stuff. I think that that's... That's all I had for that.
0: I was googling Ursula because it felt like Ursula had to be something, and I couldn't really find a horror connection. So, if anyone knows it, let us know. But it, it, that can't be a coincidence. That name—that name is not just a name you pick. Like, wait, hmm. what is it? It's Ursula.
1: Shall we open the floor?
0: Let's open it up. What do you got?
1: This is just like an overall for the episode. Dawson does not strike me as the kind of guy who would like pranks. Like in general, I feel like when you're a prankster, you're opening yourself up to reciprocation. And he does not strike me as the kind of guy who would like to be pranked. Like he's a control freak. He he just doesn't like that, I don't think. So I found that interesting.
0: I agree with you. And I think he comes at it more from a movie special effects angle. So when we say pranks, I didn't really know what else to call them. I guess jump scares and scares are more of what it would be. It would open your locker and a snake flies out skeleton falling out of a closet when you open a door so i say maybe pranks isn't the right word but either way i think your point stands he's not going to want someone who tries to scare him yeah they're a little like halloween pranky scares cheesy i mean they're all cheesy and corny but i think they he's he's tapping into his like horror director's side and just trying to set up little
1: like an experience yeah yeah <laughs> he's gonna have a séance yeah. and he's gonna make sure the lights go out
0: Yeah, I don't think he would like that. I don't think you would like that,
1: Dawson. Casey is back at the Blue Locker this episode. If you recall, he went from the Blue Locker to the Yellow Locker. He's back to the Blue Locker.
0: But while we're on the topic of Dawson and the pranks, I just wanted to say that I thought I really liked Dawson in this episode. I was a little annoyed with him last time because his lamenting just gets really old when you watch them in such close succession as we do and are. but he was really fun in this episode. You know, he was just, he was more upbeat. He was more fun to watch, way less neurotic. He really only had one neurotic scene towards the end that Jen initiates almost. But, and I also just wrote, God, this show is so good. Because it was just one of those episodes where it was entertaining, it was fun, everything was popping. There was, I mean, Mike White kills it every time, but it just had that tone where it was a good mix of the fun, the drama. And like, this, this episode is why you... Love these characters in the show. It's just a really good example of the show.
1: On that Dawson being tolerable this episode, he has this moment that I kind of glossed over the first handful of times that I watched it, but with Pacey at the locker, because you can tell that they're leading up to something. You can tell that what ultimately happens is something pops out of Pacey's locker and it's one of those jump scares. So you know something's coming. So the first few times I rewatched it, I was just like, what's going to happen? Like waiting. But when I tuned in to what he was saying, he gives this whole little monologue about how much he romanticized his and Jen's relationship, and he took it too far, and he was trying to write it like it was a movie, and all of the things that we've been saying since the beginning, he's realizing and he's saying out loud, and we've been talking about his growth. I thought that was a huge moment.
0: I totally agree, and I wrote that down that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I liked I liked that moment. He's seeing his flaws and he's growing. And we've talked about that. People think Dawson's annoying. We think he needs to be. I think he needs to be because who wants to watch a boring, perfect protagonist? You know, they need to make mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. But it was fun to see him acknowledge it.
1: I thought it was great.
0: Did you get the feeling this episode that this is where Jen is turning more? I want to be with Dawson and Dawson's turning a little bit more. Yes. I don't want to be with Jen.
1: Definitely. And I think in my memory that was actually next episode but it it is this episode for sure
0: yeah we were there he was i mean he was there we weren't i wasn't there we weren't there we didn't pick up on it but dawson is there
1: yeah for sure
0: it was weird to me that jen didn't change clothes (laughs) from school to the date
1: (laughs) (laughs) she doesn't care you know and she's just
0: that speech she gives at the end of, is it eight? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty. I'm smart. I'm great. I'm complicated. I've never seen it on a Saturday night. Anyway, she's, she doesn't need to try. She's effortless. She just can <laughs> wear that red sweater every day.
1: She is style. She is grace.
0: <laughs> Something I thought was funny is that Joey says how much she hates. <laughs> I know what you did last summer, you know, and it's Kevin Williamson. It's written by Kevin Williamson. I thought that was funny. I wonder, she says it sucks. You know, She makes the argument, you know, we don't need scary movies. There's enough violence. But then she says specifically this movie sucks. I would like to imagine that Mike White wrote that as a way to make Kevin Williamson chuckle when he read it. I hope that's what <laughs> happened. Let us know, Mike. We know, you're listening. we know you're sitting next to your Emmy Award. Just listening to Back to You, Bob.
1: probably need some background chatter for writing. <laughs> White Lotus season three, which you're not doing because there's a writer's strike.
0: (gasps) You are so right. There is a writer's strike. We are not. We we better not be writing.
1: Maybe he is listening. Oh, my gosh. He probably needs stuff to do.
0: (laughs) He's probably so bored.
1: He's honestly probably shooting a second comeback on Survivor or something that doesn't require writing.
0: So Kevin Williamson, I think, based on Instagram, has been going to this one lot. So, if I go there, if I have enough courage, I'll introduce myself. But I, as we said last episode or the episode before, I was in a car accident. I'm still without my car because my car I'm missing for days. I can't even, <laughs> my car was car napped, it was stolen.
1: Literally. But anyway, it went, it, it went fully missed. missing.
0: Yeah. It's, it's such a long story. Hopefully, I'll eventually make it up to the valley one of these days and I could see Kevin Williamson and Julie Pleck and be like, Hey, I've started a podcast. Because For you, because of you. And then I'll get a restraining order.
1: (laughs) No, don't tell him about the podcast. Say, hey, can you tell me the significance of the story about the (laughs) snake down the baby's throat? And that will impress him. And then you can tell him about the podcast.
0: We'll be like, fair wages, fair wages. And then I'll be like, is Jenny (laughs) (laughs) T?"
1: That's really all we need to know. Oh, (laughs) something I wrote down, this is a complete departure, but Pacey picks up. Dawson and Joey and they're going to get snacks for the seance and they come screeching into the parking lot and Dawson goes Pacey you are the worst driver and Pacey goes I'm not hearing that Dawson and he gets out of the car and that is the energy that I am bringing into summer 2023 anything I don't want to hear I'm not hearing that and I'm just going to keep pushing forward
0: Pacey's energy in this episode is amazing
1: vibes immaculate
0: like what what are you going to do this summer with that vibe
1: I think that you know just anything that doesn't fit my vibe is going out the window. And sometimes my vibe is depressed, you know? So if you're coming at me with the positivity, get out. I'm not hearing that. <laughs> no, I'm just oh my God.
0: <laughs> You're just saying, you're just trying not to hear the haters.
1: Yeah, man. I'm not hearing it. Oh, you think I'm a bad driver? I'm not hearing that. <laughs> oh, you think my podcast sucks? I'm not hearing that. Oh my God.
0: I thought it was really funny when Casey said he can't turn the car off because he can't turn it back on. <laughs> and Joey said, oh, yeah, I forgot you steal this car. And he says, you borrow from family. <laughs> that was so funny. The season's crafted really well, too, because their banter is hitting differently now post carnival. Now it's feeling yeah. flirty. Mm-hmm. before it it i know some people think they're bickering and like the pilot and up until now has been flirty but to me it feels this feels different now and did you notice he kind of gave her a look at the cafeteria scene after he was teasing you know the killer goes around and cuts all the girls hearts out you know maybe he'll come after you next joey they held the camera on pacey for just like an extra beat and it felt like he was teasing her in a very flirty way
1: and they later when the lights go out, they kind of pair off and go into different parts of the house and they're together. And there's just a little bit more weight to it because of what we know from episode 10.
0: Yeah, the lights are out. Dawson and Ursula are back trying to turn the lights back on and Ursula's saying, you're not in love with the blonde or in love with the brunette. And in conjunction with that scene, Pacey saying the same thing to Joey You know, you two are in love and she fires back and she's like, your mother complex is going to get us all killed. That older woman you brought, (laughs) you know, implying that this older woman that he brought is praising and kill them. And she said she had a knife in her purse and all these things. And also referencing Miss Jacobs. There was some definitely some flirting and teasing going on there. Mm -hmm. But mother complex made me laugh.
1: But also, if Pacey really loved Joey, actually, if either of them really loved Joey, they wouldn't leave her alone in the car when there's a serial killer on the loose.
0: I know. It's actually crazy how casually they talk about a serial killer being on the loose. Like when when Jen at the end of the episode is saying to Dawson, why didn't you prank me? You know, if not you, then who? He's like, maybe it's the lady killer. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, it's probably the serial killer jen i don't know
0: yeah it was so funny also you brought up this point i think at least twice the ladder like there's a serial killer going <laughs> yeah. around you don't think to like pull up the ladder <laughs> that is resting against your house for joey to go in and out to your point there's a serial killer on the loose don't leave joey alone pull up the ladder
1: <laughs> get it together guys <laughs> but also
0: i mean i know the crime rate in Cape Side is not very high but dawson's house is Made of glass, basically. <laughs> Every door on Dawson's house is a ceiling to floor <laughs> glass. glass door.
1: I know. They close him out with that door that's 25 oh. panes of glass. <laughs> I was like, who's who's being stopped by this?
0: It was not great security in Capeside, <laughs> Massachusetts. But also, like, there's also a scene when Pacey and... Ursula, they're on like they're on the screen porch, and the guy just like busts through the screen. And <laughs> I just thought, wow, this house is an easy target. Criminals head to Cape Side, the fictional Cape Side. Anyway, I don't know. I just thought there are so many glass doors in this house; he could just break any one of them. Which he does. He breaks, you know, his hand in.
1: To be fair, though, that was always one of the things I said about Scream. If I lived in a town where there was an active serial killer in the town, and they told me I didn't have to come to school, I would be driving to a relative's house far, <laughs> far away. And they're like, let's have a party. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I was I still, I'd be like, I want to be with my parents. But I think her dad was. I wouldn't want to be with friends if there was a serial, serial killer.
1: <laughs> Put your parents in the car and drive their asses anywhere.
0: Early pandemic, I wanted to get in a car and drive to my parents' house, like 3,000 miles away. Like that's how I was like, we're quarantining. I need to be over. So I don't know. My first instinct is always just stay with family, go to family. Like we said, I was a nerd. I wasn't, I didn't have friends. So no one would stalk my group of friends. No, I'm just kidding.
1: You're like the opposite of Jen. (laughs) I never went out on a Friday night. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: I have a little something, something. Play it on me. There was two news clips at this, you know, in the the cold open where they reveal that there is a serial killer on the loose. And then in the last scene when they reveal that they caught the serial killer and it was the guy who was talking to Joey earlier. But I don't think it was Gail's news station.
1: I was wondering that.
0: I think maybe in the last news clip as they're cutting to credits, he might say something about Bob. So it might be the same news station. But anyway, Gail was not working. I just thought that was a weird choice
1: but I guess their only options were to have it be Gail or Bob for it to be identifiable. And we don't even know where Mitch and Gail are, right?
0: No. So this is a 13 episode.
1: Probably dead.
0: (laughs) This is a 13 episode season. (laughs) So a lot of times if they're supporting cast, a popular deal, a contract would be like nine out of 13. Mm -hmm. So contractually they need to be in nine. I think you can use them more but they get substantially more money per episode yep. that's built into their contract. So I'm assuming Mitch and Gail run a nine out of 13 and they just weren't they weren't in this. But it struck me as odd when a news reporter was playing such a, an important role in the episode that they wouldn't use one of the main characters who was a news reporter. But I'm sure now looking back, it's because she wasn't contractually obligated to be in this episode. So they didn't want to use her because they didn't want to pair.
1: Oh, this is just a small thing, but I loved when... They go to get the snacks. They see Ursula and her boyfriend. Ursula asks if they're having a party. Pacey says yes. And she asks if they're going to have booze or I forget how it goes down. And he says if she would get them some and she steals a bottle of wine and then they get outside and she hands it to him and he goes, Tabernet hey, Sauvignon, my favorite.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That was so funny. He pronounces it phonetically, basically. <laughs> very funny.
1: The other moment and shot that I loved was they're telling the scary stories around the table. They're all sitting on the floor around this round table. And Ursula starts telling a scary story about a random stranger woman who you invite into your house. And, you know, she's had a fight with her boyfriend. And what you don't know is that she has carries a knife in her purse and she likes to go around slitting people's throats. And there's a shot from her perspective of the five of them sitting around (laughs) the table staring at her and then all the lights go out it just was I loved it I thought it was perfect
0: it was so funny yeah as you said earlier Dawson they're telling horror stories Dawson's is scary Cliff's is really awkward and doesn't land and then hers is
1: like actually scary like a current threat
0: (laughs) yeah and that shot of all of them looking at her is really funny but also when she first gets there and she's walking around the living room and she is like oh i love this place like look at all this and she looks at the door the door, big door frame and they all kind of peek out it's very funny It's also a very funny shot and we considered giving the guest cast shout out to ursula but we just thought you know mr gold has been with us and he hasn't gotten it and you know
1: yeah jennifer McComb, shout out
0: she's she's a good you know she's still working
1: She was in The Cleaner, the movie The Cleaner in 2021.
0: This is random. This is happening with anything. I love Pacey's Jeep. I know. That wood paneled, like Jeep Cherokee.
1: Grand Wagoneer, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And I do think it's like the perfect New England car. The navy blue with the wood paneling.
0: I know. Wood panel. I love a wood panel 90s. Just, oh my God. All the family road trips from the 90s. But I also, in my mind, Joey's Sweater. The green one. Don't you like have that burned into your memory?
1: It's a little reminiscent of the sweater that she wore in Breakfast Club. Club. Yeah. yeah.
0: These images of her just burned into my brain. Her style, I guess, is the most distinct. This is just a weird little thing I noticed that they see Ursula and Eddie fighting in the grocery store. And I keep saying grocery store, but it's a 7-Eleven. It's a Mm -hmm.
1: convenience store.
0: Pacey immediately says, when he sees them fighting, he says, you know, should we do something? And Dawson <laughs> says, domestic squabble, stay out of it. thought that was interesting that Pacey lovers and Dawson haters could put in their arsenal. That Dawson's first reaction was to like not get involved when he saw an abusive, weird situation happening. And Pacey's first instinct was to help her.
1: That stood out to me too. I thought it was very interesting that Dawson didn't even think twice about it. He was like, no, look the other way.
0: <laughs> this is a side note, but I do love watching those shows like What Would You Do where they have candid camera and they see people at a restaurant at the table next to them. They're getting treated unfairly. It's, oh, God, I love watching those shows.
1: Well, that's what's also super interesting about something we talked about last week in our What You Watching" segment. But Jury Duty, they put him in situations that were out of this world kooky. And he always reacted so kind.
0: I always hope I'll do the right thing. But, you know, you just never know. And then the only other thing I have is when Joey just went like full Sarah Connor and just started hitting Eddie over the head.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) She hit him with a frying pan (laughs) and then she just jumped on him and just really started, (laughs) she probably got a good like five or six whacks.
1: Yeah, I actually did not write that. But (laughs) the whole time I was watching it, I was like, she is going, she's trying to murder this person. He was a cast iron frying pan.
0: <laughs> Which, good for her. It's also cute she's coming to Pacey's rescue, but yeah, she just beat the, like he's, they're going to the hospital.
1: <laughs> that is a conversation that would come up on the mix stage because I bet they put in a more realistic cast iron frying pan sound and I would bet that someone at the studio or network was was like, he would he would be dead. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's reel it back. <laughs> Because you don't even see any blood.
0: Maybe she was hitting his shoulder, but like the the shot you see. So it's actually for Scream fans. I know there's a big Scream Dawson. It's that Melissa Barrera at the end of Scream 5 shot where she's just going doom, doom. Just crazy. That was wild. That was wild.
1: Wild. Yeah, that was (laughs) wild. Before we close it out, I know we kind of touched on it at the beginning, but what are your thoughts about the scene where Jen and Dawson almost kiss?
0: That was the scene where the way that James played it in that scene, Dawson, he didn't care as much as we've kind of seen him. Mm -hmm. And so this is the scene where I saw Jen giving more than Dawson really was. Dawson almost didn't want to talk about it because he ran to his room and Jen chased him. And we haven't really seen Jen chase down Dawson a lot. And this is where I started to feel the roles were reversing and he's slipping away a little bit. In a healthy way, and she's moving forward a little bit, so.
1: It kind of is what Pacey recommended that Dawson do. Like, ignore her.
0: He wants to leave her off the list because he thinks it's what she wants, and he thinks it's healthy, and she's saying, you know, don't leave me off. So it's probably like, you know, (laughs) you want to be invited, but you know you won't go kind of a thing? I don't know.
1: But also, I feel like it could have been like a sweet friend moment Mm -hmm. of... I still want to be your friend like don't not prank me because you think that we're broken up and I don't want it but then she tries to kiss him.
0: Makes messages but we support women we support women and the freedom to change their mind.
1: Amen sister. <laughs> the, <laughs> the right to choose.
0: What an episode this this is this is one of the episodes I would put on my list for people who aren't watching every episode. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. say this was one you gotta put on you gotta watch.
1: And one last fun fact, not about the episode, but about Dawson's in general. This week is 20 years since the series finale aired.
0: Oh my God. Yes. It's so weird. I remember where I was exactly. This one summer growing up, we renovated our basement and we put this like amazing TV room down there to watch TV in that summer. So it was like nice and cool down there, you know, and that was the summer of that finale. So my mom and I watched it down in the basement in this nice finished room. And then we had a horrible flood that year. And so we never, they never redid the basement with the same. So that was the only summer that I have memories watching TV in our like basement.
1: That's such a bummer.
0: Yeah. And I remember, this is getting way ahead, but I remember really not liking season six and I was feeling whatever about it ending. And then the finale was just, oh my God. They want it back. They want it back. Is it time for Creek Speak? Yeah. Barton Keys on Instagram said, personally, I want more cursing. Great show. Keep it up.
1: <laughs> so, this is in reference yeah. to a
0: previous Creek Speak where someone said, Great show, but stop cursing.
1: We've really toned it down. But as a girl from New Jersey, it's not easy. So, Barton, I'm glad to hear that you would still listen if one or two slips through.
0: Only S's, not F's, though. <laughs> This is also from Instagram. It is from Kay Wiggs. She says, Okay, when I tell you the way I just passed away at learning, there is a Dawson Spring podcast called Back to You, Bob. I'm screaming.
1: <laughs> yes. It's hard to name a podcast. And we are very, we were very proud of ourselves. And by ourselves, I mean our producer, Beth.
0: It took us years.
1: Literally years.
0: Another review says, This episode is exactly what I want my podcast to be a perfect parasocial relationship show.
1: Have you seen that meme where it's like an ad for ice cream and it's three friends sitting next to each other on a billboard and then one real person sitting next to them smiling and eating ice cream? And they're like, this is how I feel when I listen to my podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) It's really Um, funny. It encapsulates the parasocial relationship perfectly.
0: Oh my gosh. That's so funny. So what you watching?
1: This is a really lame answer, but recently... Because of the stress of work and the writer's strike and all the things that are happening, I'm in a phase that I go through every now and then where I just want what I call mental bubblegum. Like, I cannot absorb anything substantial. So I've been watching a lot of, like, American Idol and The Voice and... Just those shows that you can duck in and out of and not really have to pay attention to, but they're on in the background.
0: Yeah, good background shows. How is Idol these days? I mean, I haven't watched Idol, and gosh,
1: I hadn't either. I will duck in and out of the auditions every now and then, but I haven't watched a season of it in so long. And now they're at the top three, and I'm still watching. I cannot believe it. It's that's good. that's so
0: funny that they're at the top. I feel like they were just at the first week. That's Do they move faster? I was or? saying
1: they are moving so fast i was saying this to my boyfriend i was like if i were them and got the news of this writer's strike obviously tv orders are already kind of set but wouldn't you want to milk a reality show
0: maybe they have other things that do better all right so idol's good again i did actually want to watch the season but in my mind that was like two weeks ago i don't know how they're at the final three already
1: yeah i think sunday is the finale awesome if there are any american idol heads out there (laughs) i'm watching too
0: you know, you know, you know, there will be. So I I did this during the quarantine as well. I just, when I know I'm going to be in something for a, a long time, and I'm going to need content every night. I, I do old sitcoms. So during quarantine, I did Golden Girls and Roseanne. And since the writer's strike just hit and I'm going to need something to watch for a few hours every night, I just started Cheers, which I've really never seen. There's 273 really? episodes. It was on from 1982 to 1993, I believe. And we did five episodes of The Diplomat with Carrie Russell.
1: Is that Netflix?
0: It's Netflix, yeah. I believe there's eight episodes.
1: Uh, and how did you feel about it?
0: I like it, but I don't love it. I So the premise of the show is she is the wife of an ambassador. And she's involved in politics as well. And she gets the opportunity to be an ambassador to London. And then when she goes there, what she doesn't know is this is actually a big tryout for her to be the new vice president because the vice president is stepping down. So it's a very plot driven kind of premise. And I I doubted the believability of that. I just didn't know if that would realistically happen. But once you buy it and you're in, yeah, it's pretty good. Like succession, like we've discussed, uh, there's, there's a lot of the government lingo that I don't fully get. Fast talking, inside baseball kind of dialogue. It's good. So, I mean, I would recommend it. I would definitely recommend watching it.
1: Nice. I love Cheers.
0: I've seen episodes of Cheers here and there, but I've never really watched it fully through, and which is a crime considering, you know, I, I work in sitcoms and I haven't seen Cheers fully through. I'm averaging like four a night.
1: An old coworker of mine posted today this TikTok that says the age of everyone in the cast when the show started. Ted Danson. Thirty-five. Ria Perlman, thirty-four. Cliff John Ratzenberger, thirty-five. Norm George Wendt, thirty-four. Woody, twenty-four. Kirstie Alley, thirty-six. Diane Shelley Long, thirty-three. BB Newworth, Doctor Lilith, twenty-seven.
0: Wow. I was gonna guess that Shelley Long and Ria Perlman were in their like late twenties, just because they they just look so baby faced. Cliff being thirty-five is crazy.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: Talk about past versus present. Like, you know, you always think Ted Danson is the hot one. And of course, you know, he is. But like watching it as an adult, you're like, Clip's pretty cute.
1: <laughs> he was definitely always one of my favorite characters.
0: Anyway, I'm very excited. It, it really is so funny. They don't make him like that anymore.
1: Okay. Should we talk about next week? Let's do it. It's a big one. Big episode.
0: Episode 112. The penultimate.
1: In honor of this episode we will be drinking the lipstick memory it is champagne campari and a simple syrup made out of cranberry juice sugar and rosemary it sounds delicious I'm so excited for it
0: yeah very f- refreshing <laughs> I almost said refreshing it shall be but I don't know why I turned to Yoda <laughs> for a second there I'm excited for that you'll learn the reference next week
1: also, just to say out loud, it was tricky for us to choose a drink this week because there were a handful of good ones. So if that doesn't sound up your alley, there's also a William Wallace cocktail and a Les Mis cocktail that both also sounded good. If you want to drink something else, give them a Google.
0: We will be drinking the Lipstick Memory. Memory. I think that's about it.
1: That is it. We will talk to you guys next week.
0: Bye. Bye.